Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Stumps, umps, and beer pumps. Welcome to Stumps, Umps, and Beer Pumps. A podcast for you, the players, supporters and the hard-working volunteers that make our glorious game from the lowest to the highest level throughout the UK and beyond. I'm Rick, I'm here with Ian, Richard and Neil as we take you on a journey around our home here at Winsor Cricket Club in Burton-on-Trent. On this podcast we'll bring you updates on Winsor CC, we'll also be answering all your questions and inviting you, the listener, to send in your stories from around the cricketing world. We will, of course, have a special guest coming from their view from Cow Corner with their opinions, ideals and anecdotes. So, let's get started and bring you up to date with the goings-on at Winsel, the little club with the big personality. Stumps, umps and beer pumps. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps and our first episode of 2022. A little bit later now, but a very happy new year to each and every one of you. We will be going over shortly to Cow Corner and Livo's special guest is uh, Derbyshire County Cricket Club Chairman Ian Morgan. Ian and Livo will be taking you through the behind the scenes of the County Cricket Club and giving an insight to the running of the club and the way that the club cricket uh, plays on county and international cricket. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. But before we do that, we're going to touch on the winter training sessions. They have started. The winter training nets are at Pingle School on Monday evening, 6 till 8 on the indoor nets. We've had our first one. It was great to see so many there. It was great to see a good turnout. And I've got to say it was fantastic to see so many juniors. The junior section is brilliant at Winsel. So we're going to thank Ian, Paul, Babs, Angelo and Dunk for a fantastic training session with the juniors. It really was good to see so many juniors. Well done all involved. Brilliant, brilliant effort. The senior nets, everyone looked in fine fettle. It was great to see so many people. That was a really good turnout. Everyone was enthusiastic and all working hard. And with the exception of Eddie Moore's kit that's been eaten out of his garage by mice, so his, his, his pads are fine, but his gloves, <laughs> his gloves jumper and a few other bits and bobs have been chewed. 
But don't worry, Eddie, your birthday's coming soon, so hopefully they'll treat you to some new gear. Um, but no, everyone did look really good. Everyone tried, Everyone, good effort by everybody. And the bowlers were looking good. Jimmy, Duggo, uh, Shaq, Brett were all there bowling. Quick as well. Uh, nice to see Watto, the old left arm spin, turning over. Also good to see our very own Stumps Umps, Neil Winfield, turning his arm over again. Still no sign of him hanging his boots up just yet, so that's good. <laughs> we had some, the lads in the nets, the batting, Lee, uh, Lee looked good, Watto, Winter, struggling, finding a little bit of form, being, being undone by some unplayable deliveries by the bowling machine. But uh, was looking good. Gadders and uh, our new Mousy Moore looking promising. All looking good for the for the new season. But don't forget, the next, next Monday, 6 till 8, if you want to book your slot in the bowling machine, contact Livo directly and he will book you a time slot for the bowling machine. Pingle School next Monday night. So without further ado, I think we're going to go over to Cow Corner with Livo and his special guest, Ian Morgan. Joining me, Ian Livo, in Cow Corner today is the chairman of Derbyshire County Cricket Club, Ian Morgan. Welcome to Cow Corner, Ian. Hi, Livo. How are you? Yeah, good to see you. It's great to see you here today, and it's obviously just a short while after the exciting announcement of Mickey Arthur joining Derbyshire as head coach next season. I'm sure we'll come to that in a little while. We'll also be chatting today about your involvement in cricket, and in particular, as chairman of a first-class county. And then, of course, the most important thing, the importance of club cricket to the county cricket world. Can you tell us a bit about your background and about your earliest memories of sport? particular cricket yeah I was um, so I was born in the uh, the early 50s 1951 to be precise I always say I, I I'm one of those people who uh, won the lottery of life because I think anyone who was born in the late 40s early 50s has had a charmed life because we were teenagers in the 60s and teenagers yeah. that was a wonderful wonderful time yeah. to be a teenager so uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, I was uh, son of a uh, career serviceman. My father was in the RAF, so we moved every two or three years. Um, as a result of which, um, uh, there's nowhere I really call home other than where I am now, okay. of course. Uh, so because so, so, uh, as I say, we moved around. The what country. exotic places did you end up living in? Uh, Wil- a lot of t- postings in Wiltshire, Norfolk. Not that exotic then. No, not, not really. <laughs> no, uh, Germany, Cyprus, uh, and these sort of places. So my parents actually uh, they were due to go to Cyprus just after I passed my 11 plus. Uh, so they put me into a, a grammar school that had a boarding attachment close to where my grandparents lived mm-hmm. so that I could go to them for, for half terms and yeah. that sort of thing. And that was uh, that was in Norfolk, a place called North Walsham. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where I first started playing cricket. I actually played my, the only representative cricket that I ever played. I got selected for Norfolk Schoolboys as an 18-year-old. How many um, games did you play for them? Oh, only about three or four. Uh, I, I was the opening bowler, would you believe? Oh, you, you and I know one another from, from years ago. I, I, I was... They, they throw me the ball uh, nowadays uh, as an absolute last resort. Uh, I, I became a batsman in the end. Uh, yeah, in those days I was a fast bowler, opening bowler. So that, I'm sure when we talk about some of your heroes, and um, I'm pretty sure I know one of them, that's where that comes from, obviously. Yeah. So you're down at North Walsham, you're doing a bit of uh, schools cricket at that level. What yeah. brought you to the club game then? Um, I think that was probably when I actually moved into this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, no, probably a bit before that, actually. I was in Lancashire, living in Morecambe, and I played club cricket for a club called Bear. And we played in the South Lakeland League. So every other week when we were away, we were playing places like in Coniston. And yeah, you go to Penrith. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful places mm-hmm. to play cricket. So I, I had several years playing up there. And then I moved to this part of the world in uh, the mid-80s. Uh, and I joined Burton Cricket Club, who at that time were playing in the Central League. Uh, so we used to 
fair amount of travelling there as well. So we, mm-hmm. we'd have to go down to Northampton and rugby and the, the Leicester clubs, etc. And by that time, uh, uh, I'd got uh, two young boys and I was working quite hard as well. And my wife said to me, uh, you're working all the hours God sends Monday to Friday. And yeah. you, then you clear off on a Saturday and I'm, you, you go about 10 o'clock and you're not back till 10 o'clock at yeah. night. I think it's about time you spent some time with the kids. So I joined a local cricket club, Trentside. Uh, and I spent my, uh, my my later years playing cricket for Trentside and coaching there as well, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Stumps, bumps and beer bumps. So you, you with Trentside from what, mid-90s, sort of? Um, probably a bit earlier than that, right. yes. Uh, until I stopped playing, um, ooh, it's got to be um, 2007, eight, something like that. Not that long I mean, ago. Not that long ago, but I, 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 I got heavily involved in coaching. Yeah. I loved coaching. Yeah. I, and I, I still think, I was a far better coach than I ever was a player. And uh, I really enjoyed my time coaching. I did that for about 10 or 12 years. Like a lot of people, of course, I got involved because I had sons who were interested. And someone said, well, your sons are down here every night. Why didn't you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I did. And then I got my coaching uh, qualifications and everything else. And I remember those days, we we had loads and loads of players at at Trentside. I think at one time, we actually had two teams at every age group level. And there were at least two coaches for each team we had so many coaches and players it was and, and we were winning loads and loads of trophies uh it was a great time to be at be at Trentside that's uh, many yeah. clubs would love to have oh. been part of that right now never yeah. mind that all of that absolutely um, it that, it's those volunteers in particular is the key for it yeah and then I suppose it's, it's these things are cyclical aren't they mm-hmm. uh I think a number of us for one reason or another uh, gave up coaching or left the club or left the area uh, and then Trentside went uh, through a period of the doldrums and mm-hmm. I think that happens to so many clubs I've Absolutely. seen it in the other local clubs um, which is a great shame but then they come they come back again yeah and, uh, and that's the way that's the way of life I suppose so how did you transition from coaching into administration was that something that you did with Trentside or was it elsewhere as well no well I, when I was uh, coaching at Trentside I got involved in the East Staffordshire Cricket Development Group yep. which is where you and I first uh-huh. met of course um, and so I suppose that was my first uh, brush with uh, with administration and that's a group that uh, I chaired for probably more years than I can remember Every Every year at the AGM, I used to uh, try and resign. Yeah, uh, and I uh, and because uh, uh, like a lot of things in life, I, I believe um, that you have a shelf life in the, in these sort of jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said that to the to the AGM every year, and they, no one else because no one else wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I suspect uh, they said, "Oh no, you're doing a good job. You carry on." Um, it was a it was a job I enjoyed, but I, I really do think it was time for me to move on. And I, I, it's one of my things in life in, in that sort of role and non-executive roles generally, I think you have a shelf life. Mm-hmm. And organisations, whether you're doing a good job or a bad job, organisations need to find someone else, a fresh yeah. uh, pair of hands, fre- a fresh pair of eyes, etc., uh, uh, that does things in a slightly different way. Most definitely. I think between me and you, we were quite lucky that the transition worked in a way that the national programmes of the ECB were coming in as well. Yeah. So yeah. it was almost the old to the new in terms of the way things used to be, to the way they're trying to go forward and be a lot more centralised with the programmes as well. So bringing that through with the development, I think the timing was pretty good for us. Yeah. But that obviously, that got you more than just a taste of uh, cricket administration. And uh, yeah. how, how on earth did you end up as chairman of our local first-class council? <laughs> 
Yeah, that was uh, that was probably by accident as much as anything else. I, I was spending more time uh, at the cricket club. I've always, obviously always been a cricket fan, mm -hmm. but uh, when I was working and, uh, and coaching, I didn't have as much time as I'd like to have done mm -hmm. to, to go and watch Derbyshire. So whilst I've been a Derbyshire supporter for many, many years, yep. I didn't spend much time watching them until uh, I, I took a back seat from, uh, from my uh, from work, uh, sort of went into semi-retirement, as it were, and then I took out membership. So... Uh, uh, yeah, so I became a member and as I suppose you do, you just to get to know people and uh, I got to know in particular the chief exec at the time, Simon Story, mm -hmm. uh, mainly through other contacts, nothing to do with cricket. Uh, and he uh, he said to me one day, have you ever thought about putting your name forward to, to, to join the board at Derbyshire? And I said, no, I haven't, to be quite honest. Why would I want to do that? Um, I'm enjoying watching my cricket. I don't think I want to get involved in anything else. Uh, and he let it drop uh, for about six months and then he asked the question again uh -huh. and uh, after a while I, I, I thought well maybe there is something and then someone said to some, a, a very close friend of mine who I've known for many many years I said to him that I'd been approached to uh, put my name forward for the board at, at Derbyshire uh, and he said uh, I said what do you think and he said why are you asking me? He says, your passion has been cricket for years and Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Can you honestly think of going to your grave and saying to yourself, I never had the chance, I had the chance to join the board Absolutely. of the first class cricket and I turned it down. Yeah. You must be mad. And that was it. So, uh, And I've not looked back. Obviously. How many years love, is it now? I love it. I'm just coming up to my fifth year. Uh, wow. So, Time yeah. has flown by. Has, yeah. Flown by. I love so, it. What, in terms of responsibilities as chairman of the club, you know, what, what, what's the key there for you? I think you've got to remember first and foremost it's a members club. Absolutely. Uh, Derbyshire, like most first class counties, not all of them, but uh, is, is a members club. And the other thing you have to remember, you are non-executive. Uh, and I think sometimes one or two people get that wrong. They so, think you're the chief exec rather than the chairman. That's yeah. right. So, so, so you, you've got professionals uh, at the club, mm -hmm. a chief executive, a, a, a groundsman, a head of cricket, etc., etc. You've got to let them make the decisions mm -hmm. and, run, and, and, and run the show. It's their job to do that. Your job is to uh, set policy and direction and, and strategy, etc. And then to advise, to guide... Uh, to scrutinise, uh, hold to account uh, and assist as much as you can but you don't get involved in making executive decisions. So um, if I was to say it's not dissimilar to a chair of a um, hospital trust, yeah. a chair of a school of governors, That's right. it, it, it's, it's that sort of top, eyes, eyes on, hands off. Absolutely and yeah, the, the scores of uh, examples of times where people, particularly the members, think that you you are making all the decisions uh, and you have to say to them no, well well no I don't make the decisions the chief executive makes so absolutely all the decisions you are a non-executive and you have to remember that is that um, come does that go along with recruitment as well oh yes oh yeah yeah you're there to uh, the, the only person that I would take a direct uh, involvement in recruitment is the chief executive um, but uh, as, as you know we we've just recruited a new head of cricket Mickey Arthur mm. uh, I was on the interview panel but right. I, I didn't chair the interview Okay. I'm not the chief executive. And how excited are we about having Mickey come to the club? Uh, oh. 15 minutes from here, literally. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it is exciting time. He looks as though he's ex excited. He is. And uh, he's uh, he's getting himself involved and has been for several weeks. Uh, he's uh, in constant contact with uh, the chief exec. He's in contact with the players. He's only just arrived in the country a right. couple of days ago. Um, uh, he's raring to go, uh, determined to get uh, stuck in quickly. He's got 
wonderfully amb- ambitious plans. Um, and he sees himself very much uh, as the new Eddie Barlow. Eddie Barlow is uh, is a hero of his in many respects. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said to us when we interviewed him that uh, he wants to do for Derbyshire what Eddie Barlow did in the 70s. Uh, and they're both very similar characters. They okay. both have this fierce determination to succeed, mm. uh, very strong work ethic, yep. uh, fantastic motivator and ambition. Um, and they're the qualities that uh, uh, that we're looking for. for. Mickey, uh, he's just got this absolute determination to succeed. And as I say, the, the plans that he presented to us and the, the, the work that he'd done before the interview in preparation mm-hmm was absolutely immense. Uh, he sees, and the other thing that really attracted us was he talked about the uh, Derbyshire job as a project. He sees okay. it okay. as a project, uh, and that's going to take two or three mm-hmm. years to uh, to get where he wants the club to. Sure. But it, it's a project for him and a challenge for him. But by mentioning um, the likes of Eddie Barlow, he's also looked at the history, and he's absolutely. related to the whole thing of where Derbyshire has come from as well. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, exciting times. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting t- time to ask this question then in terms of, Obviously, we're we're in a, shall we say, a little bit of a strange situation with uh, Omicron and everything going around with COVID yeah. again. You know, how's COVID impacted you guys over at Derbyshire County Cricket Club? I suppose, like uh, everyone else and every other organisation in the country, uh, in at every possible level. So financial, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, uh, we certainly in twenty twenty we played all our games behind closed doors. So our, our revenue took a nosedive. Um, uh, fortunately, um, like most uh, first class counties, the ECB were our lifesaver. They managed to get on all the international cricket, yeah. uh, and that kept the media yeah. money flowing. And of course, eighty percent of uh, cricket's income comes from media. Absolutely. So uh, that that had to be the priority, mm-hmm. and the ECB, to their credit, delivered that and delivered it very well. Uh, so that was the lifeblood for us. That kept us going. Um, in actual fact, um, the smaller counties like Derbyshire, Leicestershire, did comparatively well in that first year mm. of, of COVID financially. Um, because we didn't have as big a part of our income dependent on uh, international games and and, uh, uh, conferences and events and that sort of thing. So we didn't have as much to lose. Yeah, Lancashire in their hotel straight away. Absolutely. absolutely. So the the bigger clubs really suffered Mm -hmm. during COVID far more than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then, then we, we like everyone else, we, we suffered on so many other uh, areas as well. Obviously, I've men- already mentioned our, our members; they didn't have any cricket for sure. a year. Uh, our sponsors, we didn't uh, deliver for them the yep. cricket that they wanted, um, uh, so that impacted on our sponsorship revenue. Um, and of course, it impacted hugely on our players who, yep. who were living in this these bubbles. And mm-hmm. I, I think people underestimate the impact that yeah. does, that has on people's mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, mental uh, health and, and their well-being. Absolutely, um, it was extraordinary time, and, and our players were, were absolutely wonderful because when we were offered the uh, the women's internationals, and also we were hosting, if you remember, the Pakistan, Australia, and uh, West Indies teams for the World Cup for the yeah and uh, the men's teams yeah. uh, who were over here before they went to play at the GS Bowl or, yeah. or Old Trafford. They actually used uh, the Encora ground mm-hmm. as their, their training camp. So 
that meant our players uh, couldn't come to our ground at all. And, and that was with their agreement. So they trained at Repton School uh, and they played all their games away uh, that season. Didn't make any difference as far as our spectators are concerned because they wouldn't have been able to come anyway. Fair, yeah. um, but it did mean that our players spent the whole summer in hotels. And th- that wasn't easy. And, and they, did, they never, ever complained. Um, uh, they're, they're a great bunch of gra- uh, lads. They really are. And, uh, so... In, in terms of the you know the the impact from COVID in terms of financial, obviously it's a big one for for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. The ECB did a phenomenal job in they terms did. of what they tri- the trickle down to counties was was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. But in terms of your own personal background, do you think your business background helped you to sort of look at that in a completely, shall we say, um, commercial manner from the club's perspective? Yeah, I think it did, and and we're blessed in many respects at Derbyshire. There's a, there's a number of us on the board who've got uh, business experience from different mm-hmm. businesses. Um, we were able to, to to bring our experience and our, our business <clears throat> skills to, to the fore, um, and uh, and we got through it financially quite well. Um, mm. And as I say, far, far better than many others. Because your own business background in terms of uh, buses, yeah. that would have suffered greatly during the same time as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody was on the. They just went there. No, we lost uh, nearly eighty percent of our traffic uh, during uh, initially, and we're still only now uh, up to about. Uh, 75% of pre-COVID levels, so mm-hmm. it's, it's still impacting on us pretty bad. Stumps, bumps, and beer bumps. An interesting uh, year ahead in 2022 from, from your both sides of your uh, life there, Ben. Absolutely. I think uh, 2022 is going to be another difficult year for us um, at the cricket club, certainly, mm-hmm. um, because um, we've uh, we've managed in the last couple of years by using furlough, as everyone else yeah, has done. Yeah. That's not going to be around next nope. year. Uh, sponsorship is still very, very difficult uh, to to acquire. Um, some of our sponsors have left us, but their agreements ran mm-hmm. out, to be sure. honest. Um, uh, and uh, and others we've we've had to uh, um, do deals with as as it were because we didn't deliver what we should have extend done. their deal for another year or absolutely. two yeah, absolutely so, so it's gonna it's gonna be tough as far as sponsorship is concerned um, and and we're not gonna have the resources from the ECB uh, because to, again to be fair to the ECB uh, they paid us more uh, than they should have sure. done in previous years that's not going to be available mm. next year so uh, 2022 won't be easy Stumps, bumps, and beer bumps. Super over. right so for our super over as you know Ian we ask each of our guests six questions mm. uh, starting with uh, a few little gentle throwdowns so tell me what's your favourite ground I've got to say the Encora ground, haven't I? <laughs> you should say that. I should say that. But yeah, definitely. Leaving that aside, we'll take that one out of the equation. So I think uh, the answer to your question now is Newlands in uh, in Cape Town. Um, your favourite batter? Oh, well, the Master Blaster, uh, Viv Richards. I saw him uh, at uh, Old Trafford in uh, 84. Uh, I think um, the West Indies were something like 80 odd for five and then 100 odd for seven or eight and they made 262 and Viv Richards just destroyed the England. Absolutely. One of the most brutal innings I've ever seen. But, Absolutely. Uh, great to watch. Um, what about your favourite bowler? 
Well, funnily enough, um, uh, it was a choice between two. In the end, um, I, I think I would go for Brian Statham because of just his his style. He made it look so easy. It was effortless. That sort of languid style. Mm. It was it was absolute beauty. And he was the first uh, player I really watched, uh, and I think that, that and lives along in the memory. Your favourite tipple. I do enjoy a glass of wine. Uh, almost any wine. Uh, <laughs> what about your favourite cricket tea item of choice? Because obviously we've been without them in the club game for a while. We have indeed. Uh, it would have to be a, a nice scone with some uh, some strawberry jam, I think. And, and final one in our Super Over. Who's your sporting hero, cricket or otherwise? Yeah, I think um, for the fact that he was an absolutely superb cricketer, um, as an individual, and I've got to know him quite well, uh, which, which helps. But I think what he stands for in the game uh, and everything else, Michael Holding, um, he's an absolute uh, legend as far as I'm concerned. A wonderful, wonderful man. The things he's done and the, and what he stands for, uh, and he always played the game in the right way. And then just his bowling action. Super over stumps, bumps, and beer bumps. Tell us about the importance of the club game. Though. The club game, obviously, you're brought up in the club game, I'm brought up in the club game, and most of our listeners are obviously club cricketers. Well, the club, the club game is the bedrock, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, every professional cricketer, uh, whether they're international or not, started at a, at a local club. Absolutely. And, and the other thing that people tend to forget is that uh, the overwhelming majority, I can't remember what the number is, uh, but it's a very high percentage of people who watch cricket play cricket. Yep. So if they're not playing cricket, then they're not watching. Yep. So it's important to us from that point of view as well. Mm -hmm. um, club cricket is absolutely vital. A number of our players ha have come through uh, the, the, the local clubs. Uh, we have a very strong relationship with recreational cricket, the mm -hmm. Derbyshire Board, uh, now the Derbyshire Cricket Foundation. When I first came into this job, I, I was absolutely convinced that we should be putting the two organisations together. And there's, that's been done at a, in a number of counties, yep. Sussex and Lancashire mm -hmm. Springs yep. to mind. Uh, and they advocate it very strongly and, and I thought well it makes sense to put them together um, over the course of the last two years I'm less and less convinced about okay. that because we work so well uh, with, with the Derbyshire Cricket sure. Foundation and at the moment I think that where I am is I can't see a lot to be gained by actually merging the two organisations sure. because we are so close together mm -hmm. the two chief executives uh, Richard Wood at the DCF and, and Ryan Duckett uh, are very close. We sit on one another's boards. Okay. Um, uh, we do have a very close collaborative uh, working arrangement, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure that anything would be gained at the moment by putting the two organisations together. If it happens mm -hmm. through uh, the natural course of yep. events yep. in the future, that's fine, uh, yep. uh, uh, provided all sides uh, want it to happen. And do you have a relationship with the league as well, with the Derbyshire Cricket League? Yeah, through through the DCF. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, probably, I, I, I suppose, if, I, if I'm going to be critical, that's... Um, uh, our, our relationship as a club with the league is not as strong as it should be. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that it's broken or anything sure. like that. It probably just isn't as close as, as we possibly could be. Especially when, as you say, and I think go back to the start of what you're saying there, um, every single cricketer who plays for Derbyshire at some point has played as a club, yeah. whether it be in this local area or elsewhere. They've all come through as a under five, under six, under nine, wherever, before they've got onto the pathway or to the development programmes. 
Yeah, and and our second team, of course, we we, we still take players from the local leagues to, to, to play in our second team, and a number of our first team players uh, go and play uh, in in the local leagues yeah. when they haven't got games uh, for us or when they're not required by. Which us. is so, exactly how it used to be when I was playing regularly back in the eighties, yeah. um, and you'd come across a Lancashire player who's not playing on a Saturday. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this is why is Phil De Freitas coming to bowl at us? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit strange, yeah. but it's 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 the best way for them to keep the game. And obviously, they're playing then rather than just training all the time. Absolutely. How important is that sort of development programme at the clubs, therefore, to, to the counties? That, that's got to be critical. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, it's hugely important. And, um, and again, it's something we, uh, we're, uh, we're very closely collaborative uh, with, with the Derbyshire Cricket Foundation. And Dave Houghton, our previous head of cricket, yeah. was very, very close. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it was in, so important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we get our talent from. That's where we'll get our future players from. So how many of the, the current first team squad are Derbyshire lads? Good question. I can think of five off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's half the first team. Yeah, and it's because it, Derbyshire in the Derbyshire league's a strong league. Yeah. Um, so it'd be, be good to see more coming through. And you're clearly looking from a, a development group perspective. We've seen obviously the growth of the number of juniors around here constantly yeah. over the last five, ten years. So that could only be good for that development coming through. That also leads into the other side of the game, the, the women's game. Yeah. You know, the, the development of the women's game has been phenomenal over the oh. last few years, and yeah. in particular. The Encora ground and Derbyshire have been at the forefront of that with the internationals. Yeah, you know, how important is that to you guys? Very important. I think it's important to the to cricket uh, mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, it's the biggest growth opportunity mm-hmm. that we've got in the cricket world at the moment. Uh, the women's game is growing like mad, and it's bringing a different dimension to cricket, which is great. Um, certainly, as far as Derbyshire is concerned, uh, we, we've been delighted to, to host internationals and the Women's World Cup, mm-hmm. and that, that presents us with opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have, sure. um, because we, we're never going to te- uh, we're never going to entertain uh, or host rather. Um, men's uh, internationals mm-hmm. uh, and certainly not test matches um, but there is a role for us yeah. in, in hosting women's internationals mm-hmm. um, hopefully the women's game uh, will, will continue to grow and maybe it'll outgrow us at Derbyshire and, and they'll be playing at Trent Bridge and everywhere else but it's, it's a phenomenal opportunity for the game and I, I, I think we can genuinely aspire to being a gender neutral sport and I, I saw a stat uh, a few weeks ago that um, the the number of clubs that have a women's or a girls section now has grown from 78 to 933 in two years that's the growth that we're talking about and that's at all ages that's the really incredible bit yeah and it changes the attitude as yeah. well. And we've certainly noticed a difference uh, at the county ground when you host a, 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 a women's game as opposed to a men's game. The women uh, have a, a quite different outlook. Uh, when the game's finished, uh, they go around the ground chatting to spectators and doing selfies yes. and autographs and this sort of thing. So much so, I remember after one of the World Cup games, we, we were getting complaints from the stewards who Want were, to clear used, the... <laughs> they were used to stewarding men's games and getting away from the ground 10 minutes after the, yeah. the game Fans are gone, how'd they go? That's right, that's right. But not with the women's game. They were still here an hour, an hour and a half after that's the game That's really finished. interesting because I've picked that up from women's football this year as well. Because really? obviously there's been a lot more of that on TV over the last uh, three or four months. 
and you'll see when they're doing the interviews at the end of a game, you'll see groups of football players from whether it be Chelsea, Liverpool, they're going around the ground. Yeah. And I can I can imagine your stewards are having pulling their hair out there. <laughs> yeah, I they, want to go. <laughs> yeah, they, it's, they want their pint that they've not been allowed to have all afternoon. That's so. right. And, and it is interesting. You'll have seen it as well yourself when, you, when you're coaching. Because latterly, towards the end of my coaching days, I was coaching girls. Um, and they're a quite different attitude. You know, at the end of a session, you, you get the, 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 young, the, the lads sat down on the outfield and you do a and a with them saying, mm-hmm. you know, what are the learnings? What are we going to take away from today? And you know when you're talking to them, you've not got their undivided attention totally different with girls absolutely girls will be hanging on every word yeah. and and then when you say okay off you go girls see you next week um if, if it had been boys they're gone yeah almost before the words are out of your mouth yeah the girls will come up and say oh thanks very much Ian see you next week shake yeah. your hand and that sort of thing tell me let's ask that, you that's the beauty of diversity isn't it absolutely because men and women are different and they do have different approaches and, that, and that's why diversity is so important. slightly different tack to diversity but just just get your thoughts and your opinion on the the other part of cricket that Derbyshire will never um, seem to seemingly be part of right now which is the 100 because obviously clearly Derbyshire is a first class county but it doesn't have its own 100 side yeah. Um, yeah. how's that impacted on you in, during last season? Uh, well we've only got one season to go on so far mm-hmm. um, and I suppose we were unfortunate in many respects because uh, our closest team was Trent Rockets and none of our players got selected for Trent Rockets. Um, so I think that was a mistake on Trent Rockets' part, to be, uh, uh, to be truthful. They didn't pick any Leicestershire players either. Right. And that, uh, I, I think, I suspect that will change uh, in, in coming seasons. To wide their audience. That's right, uh-huh. yeah. Because, you know, the, for Derbyshire cricket fans to go to Trent Bridge, uh, some people would find that very difficult in the best of times. Yeah. But to watch a Trent Rockets side that doesn't contain any Derbyshire players, yeah. you're probably asking just a bit too much. I certainly think it um, uh, it was a mistake on, on the part of the Trent Rockets, and I've said that to uh, to Trent Rockets themselves. As far as the, the 100 was concerned, we certainly didn't notice any uh, reduction in the number of people that turned up for our Blast games last year. Whether, But then it was slightly different circumstances because part of the Blast last year was played under COVID restrictions. Yes. Um, so it, it, it's not a, a fair comparison. Uh-huh. So I think this coming season, hopefully if we're COVID free, mm-hmm. um, uh, we will be able to make a true comparison and see what the impact on the, on the Blast is from, from the 100. Sure, because the overall impact impact from around the game was was very good for both men's oh. and women's and having the double headers in particular seemed to work that worked very well very cleverly very very good marketing yeah. the marketing around it from day one was phenomenal um i don't think i've ever seen an ecb set of communications come out on such a regular basis no, uh, and the quality well. of it was very good uh, and the, even the follow-up was good yes so yeah everything kept working all towards that and it, you know the, the main thing for me to, to ask i suppose is did that did you feel a little bit left behind there by being a county without a, a hundred side? Or did you have enough to get on with already? I think we had enough to get on with already. And I don't, we, we never expected to be hosting uh, no, sure. 100 fixtures. So I, I don't think we felt left out at all. And and certainly, uh, whilst I, I can't speak for all our members, and, and you'll understand a lot of our members are totally opposed to that. Absolutely. Well, they won't have anything to do with it whatsoever. Um, I, I think more and more 
of our members over the period of time have come to uh, appreciate the fact that the, the hundred is here to stay and yep. it is important to the game. Absolutely. We do have to attract a new audience. Mm -hmm. uh, the Blast was probably unable to uh, to achieve for us mm -hmm. and certainly the Red Bull game uh, won't achieve for us. The Red Bull game, whether we like it or not, and it's my favourite format of the game, um, uh, we, we have to face facts. Uh, it loses money and uh, we lose money every time. We Every day that we host a Red Bull game at Derbyshire, uh, as do most clubs yeah. uh, and uh, it's not just <laughs> and whilst we get big crowds at test match grounds mm -hmm. uh, that's in England and Australia uh, you know I've not watched cricket else. in countries all around the world yeah. including India yeah. and there's no one in the ground mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a worry so you need something else the most popular form format of, of cricket as we know, know worldwide is T20 mm -hmm. and uh, the blast and, uh, 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 and everything else that goes with it. And that's what people want to watch. Uh, and so you've got to make the most of that. It really came home to me that I, I went to, I've been to India two or three times. Well, I went to the, ten, uh, the Chennai Test match in 2016 or 17, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, India were three nil up at the time. Yeah. Uh, they <laughs> won the series four nil in the end. They whooped us in, in Chennai. But the ground was empty apart from England fans. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, this is India's national sport. We're in a city that, of 12 million people. They, uh, they are whooping us. Uh, why are there no Indians in this ground at all? They've fallen out of love with Red Bull cricket. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And when the Chennai um, Super Kings are in that ground, the fun. Yellow Army fills it week in, week Absolutely out. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those real sort of dichotomies in cricket, isn't it, that we have? And the purists of us want that Red Bull to you know, just survive and thrive yes. forever. Oh, yeah. um, but you're but right, we just need that. It's need... short format to, yeah. to, to make it survive. How important do you think, therefore, it is that we, you know, we bring on all of those new kids and all those new volunteers at that club level? Because that's where we're going to get the Red Bull fans. A huge gap in the volunteers at club level mm. in terms of age and demographic. Yeah. yeah, the wrong demography is out there yeah. and the wrong age demography is out there. Yeah. How important is it and how can the, the counties help with that type of thing to, to build it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. You have to, I suppose, do what we're trying to do with the 100 and that's raise the profile of yeah. the game. The higher the profile of the game, the, then people are more likely to get involved. Uh, and I suppose you want su success as well, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's at local level or national level. Do you think success as a county drives that down through the club cricket and, oh, yes. and the development? You know, do, yeah. Have we seen, for example... Uh, if I go back in the day, and you know, one of your heroes, Somerset and the success they had in the 80s with Viv, with Ian Botham, with um, Joel Garner, um, you know, they, they were the, the stars, but there was a phenomenal back team behind them, wasn't there? Yeah. Do you think that happens if we get success at Derbyshire? Yes, yeah. Successful teams inspire and motivate, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you, you, whatever sport you pick, uh, you know that if the England football team is doing well, for instance, everyone uh, wants to, is, is kicking a football around. If we, uh, if we have a tennis player who wins Wimbledon, yeah. everyone's taking up tennis. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, 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 way, that's the way it works. So that, and that happens at local level as well. That's the if, Mickey Arthur dream going forward with Derbyshire over the next two to three years, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. If if uh, uh, if Mickey can do for us what uh, Eddie Barlow did for us in the seventies, then uh, which is what he wants to do. So you, you mentioned earlier, obviously, Mickey's really excited to join uh, Derbyshire, and obviously you guys at a uh, board level and throughout the other club are very excited. What sort of 
targets would you like to see? You know, where do you think a good sort of finish next year is on the basis of what you want to do? I'd have to say that if you ask me, you'll get a different answer from the the answer that Mickey Arthur would give. Mickey wants to win everything. Absolutely. Good. Good. That's, <laughs> that's my sort of case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would be, uh, I, I, I suppose, um, I, I would uh, probably because I'm, I'm scarred with uh, what's gone on in previous years. Um, if we were challenging for promotion from Division 2 mm-hmm. next season... Uh, I would be quite happy if we got to the quarterfinals uh, of one of the uh, yeah. white ball tournaments. Oh, let's get I, back to it. Let's get back to the finals day. Though. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that I, I'm saying. Um, uh, I suppose that would be where I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If if you ask me what a good year would look like, it would be getting to the one of the finals. Mm-hmm. The one I think challenge for promotion. promotion. Yeah, and um, I think the beauty of Derbyshire over the last few years, and Dominic's done a phenomenal job on the uh, the white ball cricket. Yeah is Derbyshire have always looked as though they can beat anyone. And yeah. if it all comes together on the day, it proves what it's, it's you know, getting to finals, they showed it, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. And and one of the things that I said to, to a lot of people last year, whilst last year was, you know, probably a disaster on the, or was close to, uh, as far as playing is concerned, it, certainly in white ball and to some extent red ball as well, we were never thrashed. No. And, and certainly in T20, the first five games mm-hmm. I think uh, that we played could have gone either way as it turns out we lost all five mm-hmm. we could easily have won three of those there was one or two runs in it and, yeah. and you look at the two games we played against Knots mm-hmm. uh, you know there were if we'd scored three more runs yeah. we'd have won them both yeah. now you know the margins were very slim and it could easily have gone the other way and you know seasons turn on that sort of thing don't they if we had have won three out of those first five games yeah. who knows we might have got to finals absolutely. again yeah, um, absolutely Absolutely. But they just went the wrong way and we ended up having a disaster. Effect. I'm guessing from, or I'm going to suggest from what I know of Mickey Arthur and followed him over the years as a coach, what you're going to see is someone who wants to work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will work on those fine margins. Yeah. Uh, and he'll be very process driven, I think. He'll be yeah. very, very uh, much about the process and making sure that, that the players excel at what they're good at. Yes. Um, and if you're a bowler, make sure you're the best bowler in that team. And yes. you, you, if you bat as well, great, but you've got to do your job right. Absolutely right. And and I th- he will get the best out of all our players. And he knows he can get more out of the players than, than we're getting at the moment. Uh, and I think players respond to people like Mickey Arthur anyway. They, yeah. they, they, they know his reputation. He's infectious. They, of course he is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they they probably all raised their games. They probably raised their training, training regimes already. Uh, um, absolutely. Just by the fact that Mickey Arthur's coming. So the players are now just about started pre-season. They're into it. They've been, uh, they reported back for training in November Mm -hmm. uh, and they do their strength and conditioning training before Christmas uh, and then uh, after the new year they're uh, they're back. In the nets. In the nets. Is there there any sign of getting overseas for pre-season this year? We've signed our first one, uh, Shah Massoud uh, Mm -hmm. from uh, from Pakistan, uh, which we're very excited about. A player who knows English conditions very well. He uh, he played in Lincolnshire, he studied for a Economics degree, I think it wow. was at Durham University, uh, and then he was at Loughborough for a while. So he knows uh, he knows England quite well. Yeah, um, he scored a magnificent 150, as you'll probably remember uh-huh. at your your favourite.
favourite ground, yeah. uh, uh, Emirates Old Trafford, uh, against England the year before last. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was Mickey's first choice. Mickey thinks he is... He... That is a Mickey signing then? Oh, it's a Mickey signing, oh, yes. That's brilliant. Yeah, uh, uh, Mickey gave us a, a list, we're still working on it. Uh, <laughs> of, of, of is it a long list? list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's well within the budget, fortunately. We told him what the budget would oh, be. Oh, so he didn't say go get more sponsors as well? Uh, no, 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 not at all. No, he's working well within the budget, which is another uh, pleasing thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Sean was at the top of his list. Uh, what he likes about Sean is not only uh, is he a, a top-order run scorer, uh, but he's got the right work ethic uh, and uh, he will bring the right attitude to, to the dressing room. It's a very exciting signing for us. But, uh, yeah, we're working on uh, at least two more um, uh, and and possibly two more after that. So, uh, And as is this, this the norm these days, you're working on these, some for the county championship, some for the blast. It's a bit of everything these days, isn't it? Yeah, um, I obviously can't say too much, but the, the two players we're looking at at the moment, one will be uh, uh, probably all formats and the other will be, for, especially for the blast. Yeah, very uh, unlike yesteryear, shall we call it. We don't see those all-format players come around very often now, do we? No, we don't. And, and uh, I think it's important mm. uh, not only to have all formats, to, but to have a player for the whole season. That's yeah. the other great thing about Sean. Yeah. We've got him for the whole season. They embed yeah. themselves in the club. Absolutely. They embed themselves yeah. in the community. Yeah. The full works then, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Makes it rather. I think some clubs have gone a bit mad when they brought players in for the Blast in particular for two games, three yeah. games. Yeah, that, that's not going to work. No, uh, and it, it and, might be a headline, and it might be get the right extra ten percent on the gate of the day. And players who come back to the same club year after year, also you look at what Dan Christian has done for Notts, you know, yeah. uh, uh, and that proves the value of, of, of an overseas player who, as you say, embeds himself in, in the club and the culture of the club. Yeah, uh, that, that's the way to use. It makes a massive player. difference. Yeah. Do you think the guys are going to be able to travel this year to go and do some overseas prep work as well? Because that's obviously something that's been difficult the last couple of years. It is. That's, that's a another one for, for Mickey to think about there, there, there's some money in the budget for an overseas tour mm. um, whether we'll be allowed to or not exactly is, is, is another matter but uh, it's uh, it's an opportunity to get the players away together yeah. uh, uh, in a bit of sunshine which mm. is usually what you need around about March time or yeah. February um, so yeah they're, 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 hopefully that will happen but it will it, it's down to Mickey entirely Stumps, Pumps and Beer Pumps you're going to enter the Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps six aside competition Okay. Um, now you may be, if you wish, be the head coach, but you could have Mickey if you want as well. Uh, but can no, you? I'm, I'm coaching this. Okay, time. that's all right. Then. Okay. Can you name for us, therefore, your uh, your perfect six-a-side team? Want two bowlers from you, two batsmen, a wicketkeeper, and an all-rounder. You don't have to be current. Could be current. One of our guests used one of their best mates. It doesn't really matter. It's about you guys right. entering our competition and seeing how competitive you can be and having a crack. Right. Okay. Well, two bowlers. Uh, two bowlers. Uh, well, the first won't surprise you, uh, uh, Michael Holding, Whispering Death. Uh, and the second one is um, uh, Derek Underwood, Deadly. Magnificent bowler. What about your two batsmen? Two batsmen. Um, Master Blaster, who I've already referred to. And yeah. Can't, uh, and probably one of the most elegant players who, who I love to watch, uh, David Gower. Fabulous, fabulous batsman. What about your wicket keeper? Ah, oh, there's only one person, isn't there? Bob Taylor. <laughs> it's funny how many times that comes off, isn't yeah. it? Around this area. Oh, best keeper ever. And the nicest guy you could ever wish to meet. Wonderful. He's still around the club regularly? He is, yeah. We see him from time to time. Saw him a couple of months or so ago at, uh, at the county ground. Okay. Lovely, lovely man. Now, this is the interesting one. What about your all round? Uh, beefy. Yeah, it's got to be. Me and both of them. Um, yeah, and of course, uh, I, I see Beefy fairly regularly because he's chairman of Dunham, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, and uh, uh, still a great guy, uh, and he was a magnificent cricketer. Do you ever share wine together? We have done, yeah. Hey, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you today, Ian, and uh, I'm sure our listeners have got a great insight into where you've come and what's going on at Derbyshire. Not, we'd love to get you back maybe halfway through the season yeah, and have, a, have a chat what's going on, and um, we'll obviously be talking to your friends at Trentside at some point as well. So, Oh, good. It's been right. really good to see you, yeah. um, and look forward to seeing you again shoot. Thanks a lot, Liver. I've Take really care. enjoyed this. All Thanks. the best, out. Okay. Stumps, pumps, and beer pumps. Thanks for that, Livo. Great to hear from Ian Morgan what he had to say. It was also good to hear how the club game plays with the county and the international game and how it all works and works works well together. So join us next time to hear all the latest from Winslow Cricket Club and another special guest in Cow Corner. So that's all we've got time for for this edition of Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. Thank you to our special guest today. If you know someone at your club that wishes to come and have a chat with us and talk about your club, then please email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. Also, please like and subscribe, and also you can follow us on Twitter. If you've got any questions, any stories, or any funny anecdotes, then please again email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed our tour around Club Cricket Life. So please join us again for more of the same. Thank you very much for listening. This is Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. So until next time, there's your one for the over. Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. <laughs>